the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we're sharing a virtual town hall meeting featuring Seth Price, Jay Ruane, Lee Rosen, and Joy Vitale with Jim and Tyson. This group has an in-depth conversation into how to manage your firm during these difficult times. Let's get to it. I want to do brief introductions. You all can do uh, more in-depth introductions if you want of yourselves. Hold oh, one second. We're not shared yet. First, we've got Joy Vitale. He's uh, an on- awesome online guru. We got Lee Rosen, who probably doesn't need an introduction. He's in Tokyo right now. We've got Seth Price with Blue Shark and Jay Ruane with Firm Flex. Jim Hacking, you all know him, and then myself, Tyson Mutrick. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to go around. I'm going to go in order to sweep. We're, we're, we're in the group now. I'm going to go around. We're going to just kind of talk about mindset for a second because there's a lot going on um, in the world. And so let's just talk about uh, mindset for a second, kind of where you are, what your perception is. Uh, and so, Joey, why don't you go ahead and go first? I was talking with one of my business coaches earlier today about how a lot of people right now are reacting to stories that they're telling themselves about what's happening instead of what's actually happening. And I think it's it's really hard right now to figure out kind of how you should be responding. Like Tyson, I remember you saying earlier today, am I being too positive? And I don't know what the right answer is, but I'm excited to be here. Tyson told me that if I needed, I could just be an associate at his firm. So I'm excited to just have that as a plan B if necessary. All right, Lee, what do you got for us? You know, I'm old. Uh, I'm 58 years old. This is my fourth recession as a business owner. It is always a shock. It is. Uh, it, it never seems like we expect it, even though, you know, it's a, sick, a cycle that repeats over and over again. But each time it has happened, it surprises me. You get through it, you come out the other end of it. It it just is the nature of being in business. It comes, it goes. This is another one. Uh, we're so early in it that it, it feels very uh, disturbing and upsetting. But the key here is you have a vision for your business. You've had it. It's, it's what you've been doing all along. You stick to it. You don't panic. You look at this as an opportunity to make a little bit of an adjustment. If I have a second, I'll tell you a quick story. I was in a Hilton all-inclusive resort last week in Mexico, and I watched as the guests left, because you can imagine, it's hitting the travel business hard. 
they quickly cut the staff hours. The, the wait people in the restaurants disappeared. The bartenders disappeared. Uh, the bellmen disappeared. And instantly, maintenance and, uh, and renovation people appeared. They went right to work uh, repairing the hotel. They look at it as, we, we've got payroll we're going to spend. We've got reserves. This is just part of the business. We know we're going to be in business a year from now. We might as well clean up, get things painted, get things back up to, to tip-top condition. And they're just rolling along. And, and the great thing about having a law firm is your uh, staff and, and your team and your maintenance people are all the same. You can use the staff to do both. We don't need to lay off one group to bring in another group. We can put everybody to work on these things. And so you just stick to your vision. You don't panic. And you figure out what you do during this period. And you know the next period is coming. And it will. And literally four times I've been through this. It's a dip, and then you you go back up, and life gets back to uh, normal in one form or another. And if if you weren't expecting it, you just weren't paying attention. And 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 I'm always surprised, but this is the nature of the game, and it'll come again. If, if you're young and early, this one will get over with, and then there'll be the next one. It's coming. I love that perspective, Lee. And I think we're going to come back to some of what you said in a little bit too, especially with vision. I think that a lot of that's really really important. Seth, what, what do you got for us? How are you feeling? You know, I'm still in the weeds between Price Benowitz, where I have 40 lawyers and staff, and Blue Shark. Part of it is, you know, while I would love to have the, I'm going to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons, right now I feel like I need to make sure, to take an analogy, that there's enough gas in the truck when we get to the point that we're out of this first blend. Because I see this as a, two, a two-part problem. One, the economy stopping, which is not something we've seen out of the last four go-arounds that Lee's referred to. And then secondly, once this is over, preparing for that recession. So right now, I'm very conscious of keeping cash flow low, keeping as many employees as possible employed, would love the idea of maintenance and doing those things and putting those things in place. But the number one priority is to make sure we have an ongoing entity when the first phase of this is over so that we can take advantage of the opportunities that will be there. Good perspective. And uh, just so everyone knows, we are monitoring the comments. So if you have any questions along the way, I'll, I'll pass them along. So be, go ahead and post any comments that you might have, and we'll try to get to them. Uh, Jay Ruane, what you got for us? So, so it's interesting because, you know, I, as a criminal defense lawyer, I wind up talking to a lot of clients uh, about their interactions with police officers when those lights go on behind them. And that's usually a time when the body goes into flight or fight mode. And what we see is that when in a stressful situation, the body shuts down certain things. You know, your hands and your feet, they tend to get cold because the blood is rushing to your thorax and it's making sure that your heart is pumping, your legs are taking in oxygen, your brain is hypersensitive, right? So if a person is getting pulled over for your DUI in my world, they'll say, you know, my, I, I couldn't walk on that straight line because, you know, I felt uncoordinated as a result of the fact that I was so nervous not necessarily because I was so intoxicated. And so what I have to explain to them when we meet is that, you know, your body has this natural defense mechanism where it tends to focus on the things we need to stay alive being taken care of, right? And so that's what you need to do in this situation. You need to focus on the things that are going to keep you alive as a firm and not panic because the panic is what's really going to hurt your business long term. 
you know, we've built practices there that can withstand a storm of some sort. But if you just go around running like crazy saying the sky is coming down, you're not going to be able to focus on what you need to get done. So it's funny. I, I had a conversation a little earlier uh, with Marco Brown out in Utah. And I said, you know, it's interesting, Marco. I feel like for the last 10 days, I've been running 100 miles an hour. And I actually have more time than that right now. I should actually be slowing down and making more tactical move. But everything that I do, I feel like there's a sense of urgency with it. You know, when I decided 12 days ago, hey, we're, we're, we're leaving the offices and going remote, it was, guys, we're closing at five, prepare to work from home for the next 12 days or for the next month or six weeks. And it was literally, it was seamless. My office, we have a system for doing it. Everyone just said, okay, we'll see you tomorrow morning. And they all signed on the next day and we were able to go. So, you know, you've built the systems in your practice. Don't panic. You know, I think about that uh, that scene from Apocalypse Now as the bombs are raining down and Robert Duvall is just walking across the sand. As uh, the bombs are coming down, he's just, he's calling out orders to his troops. That's what you need to be in this situation. Not panic, apply your systems and, and win. Good advice, good advice. All right, Jimmy, what you got for us? So for me, this is a time for clarity. We are the leaders, we are the captains of our ships that not only do we need to be focused on the right things, but we need to be very deliberate and we need to spend a lot more time thinking. We have more of an opportunity to sit still and to think like Jay said, and we have to do that. We can't just be running around like chickens with their heads cut off. I've, I've actually seen actual immigration lawyers that I know, one, let me know that they're gonna be laying off a bunch of people. Uh, they already know that today. And I have another immigration lawyer who is literally saying goodbye to people on Twitter. These are people who run firms. And I think that that's a real disservice to their firms and to their messaging and to their future. I think that we have spent so much time and energy for these last three years with such great lawyers in our group that we are well positioned for this as much as we can be. Nobody saw this coming, like Lee said, but we have to be deliberate in what we're thinking. We have to be realistic about where we are at the moment, and we have to keep an eye on the future, and we have to stay balanced and focused, and we have to get enough sleep. We have to take care of, of ourselves. We have to be leaders. We have to help our team feel confident, and, and we have to be realistic with them. We have to be transparent. If calls start going down and income starts going down, then you're going to have to have a different conversation. But I think in talking to your team, it's important to talk about what your intention is. Where do you see things headed? What do you think is going to happen? And to do it in an even-mannered kind of a way. I also think that too many people are watching too much of the news. I turned off the news a week ago, and I can't tell you I've slept better. I've thought more clearly. I've been more positive. I'm going all in on kindness and deliberateness and gentleness and leading. I'm meditating more. I'm exercising more. I'm doing more of the things that I should be doing all the time, but I'm doing that to combat the missiles flying by on either side, right? And so I encourage everyone to stick to their routine, make sure they get enough sleep. And I'll end with an interview I saw today from a guy named Todd Herman. He's the one that had that article where he inter he's been interviewing now up to 72 business owners and he coded the language and he, and he put people into sort of three groups, the groups that were running around like chickens with their heads cut off, ones who were in total denial and ones who were planning. And he could just tell by the language and the words that they were using what 
how they were going to be successful. And, and the quote that he ended the show with that I heard today was, you cannot solve a problem that you are not willing to have or accept. So there's a whole lot of acceptance here. There's a whole lot that's out of our control. There's a whole lot of this that we wish didn't happen. But we actually, as hard as it is, I just got word that my one of my favorite uncles in Chicago is on a respirator and he's actually having to share it with another person. One goes on for two hours, then he goes on for two hours. So it's, it's, it's patently absurd, but we have these minds and we have to use our minds to stay focused and to be present and to do the best job that we can. Good advice. And I, and I agree with everyone. I, I guess the kind of w the way I look at it, it's pretty much the same way I look at everything. And the, uh, Joey heard me say this earlier. I, I just, I sort of feel like, I don't know. I feel like everyone's sort of freaking out. And I'm just really, really calm about it. And maybe I'm just too positive about it. But I, I guess the way I look at it is I, I can look at it like this. Like I can look at like the guy that just missed a fly ball. And all he's thinking about is, is, is missing the fly ball and costing his team a run. And then he gets up to bat and he, and he strikes out at the, in, the, in the next inning. Like I can be that guy or I can be the one where I, I said, okay, you know, knees bent, head up, glove ready ready for the next ball to come to me. And then whenever I'm up to bat next, I can hit it and I can be ready for for the for that ball to come down the plate and for me to hit it, you know? So I, I can take one of two approaches. I'm taking the latter approach. I'm taking the approach where I'm ready. I'm moving on to the next thing. I'm doing the next thing that I can control to make sure that we're ready for this. And the way we put it with the firm is we're going on offense. When it comes to litigation stuff, we're going on offense. When it comes to marketing, we're going on offense. Because I, I think, and I, I, I would love to hear Lee's perspective on this, because the, I think if you look at the firms in the past recessions, the ones that, that went under are the ones that, that put their heads in the sand and they sort, of, they sort of recoiled and they said, okay, I can't handle this. And, and they were the one where they missed the fly ball and then they struck out the next at bat. Instead, if you, if you go on offense, I think you'll be ready even stronger whenever you get through this. And so that's the perspective we're taking. But Jimmy, you had a really good question for Lee about working remotely and having, how the firm was set up. So you want to ask that question? Tyson and I just had Ben Glass on the show the other day, and one of my favorite interviews that I've ever heard Ben do was with Lee. And so my, my question for Lee is, Lee, you know, how would you be responding differently right now if you hadn't done everything that you've done to make your office, you know, the way that it is where you're able to work remotely and your team will works remotely. What if you were, if you were one of the majority of lawyers who still had a full-time office and hadn't had the foresight that you had before to build what you have, what would be going through your mind right now? Well, you know, I, I've been doing this for 12 years working remotely and it's not rocket science, as everyone has quickly figured out, I think. Uh, if you have a laptop and a phone and a set of earbuds, you're good to go, and you can make money anywhere you want to sit, in any coffee shop or, or spare room, or I'm sitting on the bed you know, in a hotel in Tokyo. There's just not that much to this. And, and so what I really sense from the, the folks that I'm talking to is not that they're really encountering any resistance uh, to doing this. It's pretty simple stuff. They just, uh, they're just have, they're just realizing that this is easy and doable. The people who I think are really struggling and the thing that I'm worried about with some of our uh, Institute members is people who are not paperless, uh, people who still have servers or old fashioned phone systems. And they're kind of uh, in a difficult spot, you know, because they, they can't easily transfer that technology. And so I think that would have to be my focus right now. I'd invest in those uh, processes and do what I can when I can to get them in place. 
because this is this is this is all old technology at this point. You know, I, I have people talking about soft phones and all that like it's a brand new idea. And of course, this stuff is now mature, been around forever. So I think the real struggle would be if you haven't made any steps, you got to go ahead and do it because if it's not this problem, it's going to be the next problem. There, there's a really big firm in. Uh, I'm actually, well, I'm not even going to mention the town. They're scrambling right now. I've heard that they're really, really scrambling because they're just they weren't ready for it. It's just kind of crazy to me that they're using technology from 10 years ago and and they just weren't ready for any of this. It's kind of kind of nuts to me. But I want to get a little more serious right now, though. Jay and Seth, you've had to make some pretty tough decisions lately, and uh, you're not the only one. I'm sure there are other people who have had to make some tough decisions. So do you all want to talk about that? I mean, I think it'd be I think it'd be a relief to hear other people talk about, it, especially people that are in your seats that have that are that are very successful attorneys. Um, and I, I think it's important to hear from you all. So we talk about that a little bit. Jay, Jay and I have been talking back and forth over the last few days. I think for all the listeners, let me take a step back for a second. Having multiple practice areas, five, six practice areas within a firm over a few different states and watching Blue Shark that has clients from all over the country with all different practice areas, where you, the practice area you're in is going to change dramatically what stage you're at. So at one end of the spectrum, trust in the states has been booming. We've had some of our busiest weeks the last couple of weeks where people are dealing with mortality issues, et cetera, just on the planning side. On, you know, on the, the immigration side, similar. People are still coming in. They're insisting to come in, even though the city is on lockdown. Middle category, the, the, uh, the plaintiff's practice, Tyson, where you're sitting. Right now, people, the insurance companies are still settling cases. Checks are coming in the mail. If you have a practice with enough inventory, it's really, we, we have not made a single layoff in that area. That area is running really nicely. The biggest challenge is, as Lee was talking about before, is just making sure that we are quickly doing in a matter of hours what Lee has done over 12 years, which is being fully remote. The issue comes down to some of the practice areas like criminal that Jay and I have spent a lot of time building a practice in. That area in particular has been the hardest hit, almost stuck into a restaurant in that Arrests have stopped, you don't have court, and payment plans are quickly going to become a problem as people don't have jobs. And that trifecta we're dealing with there means that how we deal with that practice and having to make strategic cuts there, if we didn't, we would not have a, a firm you know, in a number of weeks or months. And what's frustrating while watching the news about the bailouts, and I'd love to hear Jay's thoughts on this, is that they're going to be a short-term Band-Aid, but that if the economy, the velocity economy has to come, that particular area is not going to move. I think second hit will be other fee-for-service areas. And at some point, depending how maniacal the insurance companies are, if they cut off funds for settlements, you're going to be using up your reserves. And the question is, how much reserves do you have? Yeah, I, can, I mean, I can address that, too, uh, from a criminal defense perspective. Our revenue in the last, say, seven days versus the seven days before that is down 90 percent, you know, but it's interesting. You know, we're still we're still getting calls. We're getting calls for some of our secondary practice areas. Pardons and expungements, you know, is a high six figure practice group for us. That's still working. That's still generating business because most of the guys who are looking for those clients are blue collar workers who are still out there working, getting paychecks. Speeding tickets is dipping, but not as much as I thought it would 
fewer police officers are pulling over people. DUI is gone. I mean, it's, it's just dropped like a, a bucket because people aren't going out. The restaurants are closed. The bars are closed. We are like in a criminal practice. We are like restaurants in that we have high turnover and short windows. But you need to understand that and be prepared for it. And uh, we did have to make some cuts. Like I cut my part timers that work nights and weekends because the phones weren't ringing and they they were great inter- intake people. But if the phones don't ring, they're not doing anything. So, you know, we move over to a system where we outsource that work to a company that does just that and can man our phones. So we can still be up, but we aren't necessarily paying for people butts in our seats. And uh, because we have the technology, we can do that. Uh, I do agree with Seth, you know, that that depending how long this goes, it's going to be interesting. I mean, courts in Connecticut are starting to move things till June. Now, it's March 25th, and we're getting told cases will be continued till June. That's going to significantly impact uh, profitability on criminal defense practitioners, uh, you know, nationwide. Joey, I want to kick one over to you. I was really glad when Tyson said that you could appear on the show tonight. And one of the main reasons was your perspective on things is usually positive and sort of realistic at the same time. And I was just wondering, how is your practice sort of being affected by this? And where do you think things are headed for lawyers who are making that transition into more of a a remote practice? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks, thanks you guys for having me. It's like an honor to be in this group of people. Um, I think so highly of all of you guys. So um, it's interesting because the week before this became kind of what it was, I was gone for a week at a conference. And about a year ago, I took a week-long break. And the goal was for the company to survive. And uh, two weeks ago when I took the break, I realized that, I had kind of passed that milestone of being away from the firm and it's still surviving, but I wasn't there to do any lead gen that whole week. And so right now I'm still trying to figure out what loss of sales are coming from a larger pandemic versus me just being, you know, not having those sales reins for a week. But, you know, I was thinking a lot about what Tyson was saying in terms of, you know, the sports metaphor. And he also was talking about the importance of a vision. And Tyson, I'd love for you to talk more about that if I could just pass the mic over to you, because I think that it one of the most harmful things we can do right now is get super in our heads and think about you know a play that we messed up on. And I think the, the way to stay in the zone right now is to have a vision that is keeping you focused. And I, I think a lot of people, their head is, how do I survive this versus how do I not only get through this, but stay aligned with where my vision is? So how are you using this time to make sure that you're still aligned with your long-term vision? Good question. It's funny. I think, I think vision is simple to some people. I think it's complicated to other people. I think some people think, oh my gosh, I've got to know this vision. And it's, it's so hard to figure out. To me, it's really simple. I know exactly where I want to be in 30 years. So I, I then have built, you know, guideposts along the way. I know where I'm headed and so no matter what, no matter what I do, I know where I'm headed when it comes to a firm, when it comes to my family. And so to me, it's easy. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. So that's part of this, too, is like whenever this all came about, I wasn't that worried because I still know where I'm headed long term. I mean, there are some short term decisions that we may have to make at some point. We're not there yet, but because we're still on track for our vision. And so everything that I do every single day is directed towards that vision. Everything we do every quarter is directed towards that vision. 
And I've had I've heard people say, well, you know, I don't I don't know what my vision is. I don't know what, where I want to be in five and ten years. That's okay. I get that's that's fine. I'm just telling you, if you do know it, it's way way easier. It's way yeah. easier once you know where you're headed. For example, like Jim will tell you, like Jim was one of my professors in law school. I I knew what I wanted to do when it comes to a firm really early, and so. I was probably one of his better students because I knew what I wanted to do. So the the sooner you know where you want to go with things, whatever it is in life, the easier it is because you'll never go off track. You just not, you just won't because you know where you're headed. And mm-hmm. and I, I want to pass it to Lee on because we're on vision. I'm glad you you tossed it to me, Joey, because I wanted to ask Lee about vision next too because I want to get his perspective too. So Lee, if you'll talk about vision as well, I, I appreciate it. Well, I think you you nail it. I mean, it, it isn't rocket science. It's seeing where you want to go. And, uh, and the more you, you have that 30-year perspective, you realize that this six-month b- uh, glitch we're in the middle of now, and I think we can start seeing the end of this now. If you look around the world at what's happening, we see the experience of a country coming out the other side of it in China. Their economy is, is turned back on. By May, it'll be turned way back on. And you see what's happening in Hong Kong and and uh, in Singapore. So we know this ends. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you start to have some context of this is your 30-year vision or your 10-year or whatever you're able to see in your mind. And we're in this little glitch, this little dip. And the reality is, uh, and I don't mean to minimize this. I mean, I, I agree with, with the comments of, of everybody. This is a tough period, but it's so valuable to step out and look at it from a high level and realize that for a solo practitioner, this is really devastating and difficult, but so is like getting married or having a baby. I mean, those things impact your business and they they slow your path toward creating your vision for your business in significant ways, you know, just not sleeping for a year of the, I mean, Jay's got like, I don't know, 1,207 children or something in his house. (laughs) You know, it's like these are these are big, impactful events and recessions like this are, are big, impactful events. But if you know where you're going, you just keep going there. So you do have to decide. I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying, Tyson. You pick it, you head toward it and you just roll on and you know you're going to hit some obstacles. And this is just another big one you're going to hit. I love what Lee just said, because I've been planning for five years for the what if I get hit by a bus and live scenario in my firm? So, you know, I have a list of these are the passwords you need to know. This is these are all the things. This is why we can go remotely. So all of those things. And and it's great because if you're living this right now for the very first time and you're five or 10 years into your practice, recognize, like Lee said, this is going to happen again. So as you're working home, start writing out the things that you've needed to do so that you can build that system base for the future. I mean, this is this is an incredible opportunity that we all have to be living through a very unique scenario that hopefully doesn't repeat, obviously, the same way. But we will all have situations like this that impact our practices. Now's the time to get ahead of it. Don't put your head in the sand. Actually use this as a mechanism to really build your firm to succeed through anything. And I sort of feel uh, like a multiple personality person, like there are three different things going on. One I, you know, and those of you who know me on this call and beyond, like I've spent every waking moment building these these businesses and wanting to help people and, and employ people and build something sustainable. So the one is, okay, we're still moving forward. The second is how do we make sure there's something there? And it's a combination of 
strategic, very tough decisions that have to be made in real time to not react through fear, but re react strategically to make sure that you're taking care of as many people as you can. But I got to say on a personal level, it takes a toll because you work so hard for so long and in such a small period of time, this is in a gradual recession, you've had to undo many things you've spent years putting in place. So there's sort of this psychological portion in the middle that's really tough. And the third, what I'm trying to do is spend whatever time I can, because there is additional time, as a few of you guys have referred to, that what can you do to help in the community, whether it's helping out on a, you know, helping to support a food drive that one neighbor started to help the doctors and nurses and staff at a hospital or something I launched tonight where, you know, hey, we have a footprint over the three state area. Let's create uh, an email and get anybody who's older or having, you know, physical ailments that shouldn't be outside right now, getting them supplies if they don't have somebody to get them medicine, food or what have you. So I feel like I'm trying to do three things at once and that can be a very stressful piece, but at the same time, each one incredibly necessary and none of them really you don't you want to drop. Good stuff, good stuff. So we're going to get to the questions in the Facebook group here in a minute, but before we do, I just want to get everyone's thoughts and maybe I'll start with Jay. And that's the question of marketing. Obviously, marketing is really important for all law firms, and I'm always loath to throttle down the marketing, but I'm wondering what have been your thoughts as far as sensitivities around marketing while people are getting sick and dying? So I don't think now is the time that you want to be saying, hey, are you stuck at home with coronavirus? Uh, you know, you can hire us. But this is a great opportunity for building a brand and a brand name in your local community that talks about how you are concerned about the members of your community. So like Joey, who does trademark stuff for, you know, small shops, you know, this is a great opportunity for him to speak to those people. Jim, you can speak to the immigrant community. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking necessarily about like literally the people in your neighborhood, but if you're like me or Tyson who have a regional practice, that is your neighborhood. So you want to do the, the hometown stuff. I, you know me, I love social. I think social is the best opportunity right now for you to be in front of people. People are spending extra hours a day on social. This is an opportunity for who you are as a person to stand out among the crowd. You know, we've got FirmFlex, we're gonna push something out tomorrow to reclaim the feed, right? We, we wanna reclaim the feed and get it away from all coronavirus stuff and talk about the good things in your community. And so there's great things that you can do. And I, I, I put out uh, yesterday, you know, for our firm, we put out a driving tour, a historical driving tour of Connecticut with 12 different locations. So people can get out of the house, but still stay in their car. Uh, and that would allow them to get out of the house, see something, get a little fresh air, but not necessarily interact with other people. This is your opportunity to establish who your brand is while all eyes are on their phone. And if you don't take this opportunity, you're really going to regret it. I don't think it's time to be aggressively selling. I think it's about showing who you are, showing how you care for your community, care for your people, and, and try to bring some levity and, and all those things to show that you're a well-rounded business. Uh, and that's going to be your, your your great opportunity to really get ahead on this. I think you should be posting on social as much as possible and not being a fear monger, but trying to build things up. Anybody else have anything on that? I think that's great. Anything else on on marketing? Yeah, on, on yeah, on Jim's question about you know how to treat marketing right now. 
Well, I agree uh, completely with Jay. You don't want to be the the you know the douchebag pushing the hire me while the corona. You know, you want to you want to be subtle about it. I don't know about you guys, but man, people are coming out of the woodwork uh, calling me. Uh, I haven't talked to this many people, uh, old friends from. I mean, literally, I'm messaging with a guy from high school. My wife got a message from someone she went to high school with. This is the most fantastic time to build your network. I, I'm looking at Seth Price, who I had to block him because he calls me so much just to chat. You know, it's like I didn't know some that was a possibility. Are, I should oh, dude, that. I, I can send you the instructions. Yeah, he's blocking. Wow. Yeah, he, he moves to different platforms, so you got to do a lot of blocking. But Seth is the most amazing networker on the planet, and most of us, you know, we we aren't. I mean, most of us are not. It's a tough thing to to connect with old folks that we haven't talked to in a while, or or to even connect with new people you've never met before. But this people welcome this right now. It's like an open door to people's homes. They want to say, like, come on in and let's, you know, BS for a while. People are are happy to have human connection. And so those relationships, you may not see the payoff today, but Seth's whole business is built on this, you know, on this stalking people until they'll talk to him, you know, and he's got 40 lawyers. So clearly, clearly it works. And um, and this is the time to do it because people are not too busy to chat with you and they want to talk to you instead of they can look at their wife and their, or their spouse. I say wife, I, you know, we got five guys on the call, uh, but they want to talk to you instead of whoever it is they're stuck in the house with. You know, this is a break from yelling at the kids. So I agree with Jay about social and there are lots of other ways you can build your business. But, man, we are this is this is nirvana for building your network. Yeah, well, I, I, I want to say that, sir, you know, go ahead, I may not take my calls uh, on a regular <laughs> basis. Uh, I, I've learned a lot from Lee over the years. He's uh, an incredible, incredible person with a lot of forethought that uh, that I, much of which I wish I had uh, bottled up. But I, I would say the, the thing that we have is time um, and that the ability to make sure that we leverage that time wisely you know, I, I love the digital space and, it, you know, people, there's nothing better. And Joey's great at this is getting original content that you wouldn't normally have the time to do. And if you can somehow use some percentage of this newfound time to do that at the other end of this, you're going to be pretty happy. You know, it's like planting, planting a tree. When was the best time yesterday? Well, we have, we have that time right now. And, you know, as Lee has mentioned, it's going to, it's going to come back around positively at some point and that if we've paid our dues and planted those seeds that we're going to have something at the other end. So that's really what I'm focused on. It's not easy because there are all these other activities, at least in the first week or two, but making sure that we, as soon as those basics are taken care of, that we immediately turn that excess time, whether it's yourself or staff, into somebody who can build those assets that are available for you in the coming weeks and months. And, and anybody who might be worried that now is not the time to be a little goofy and silly on social needs to check out what Bernard is doing on TikTok with his it's daughters. Awesome. It is so good. And it's what I, people I, want right now. He's doing such a good job. My biggest priority right now is making sure that my referral partners are taken care of. And so I'm reminding myself that the question that I need to be asking isn't, what can I do to help right now? But what are the problems that people need solved? And if I have certain connections and people who are offering something that 
really should be taking higher priority right now. What can I do to make sure that I can be a voice to that? Um, I have a public speaking coach who um, is helping a lot of people right now who had planned on doing a lot of conferences learn how to book virtual summits. And a lot of people are interested in that right now. And, and figuring out that the people in your communities who, you know, let's be real, might be of more value to people right now. Seeing what you can do to really love, on, especially if they're referral partners, doing what you can do to, to take the, the mic that you have and use it to promote somebody else right now. All right, so I'm going to get to to the one of the first questions. It's Nick Brockmeyer, and this is I think this is a really good question because he he talks about how we're we're always talking about niching down and make sure you you niche down and that the riches in the niches, which that I I definitely believe in that. But um, is now a time for us to maybe venture into other niches to help su supplement income? So whoever wants to take that one, what are your thoughts? I'll go. I think now's the time to niche down the same as you have before. I think now's not the time to water down your message. Now's not the time where people are going to smell desperation because you know me as the immigration lawyer, but hey, I'll do your will. I mean, that's the worst thing you want to do because as Lee so eloquently started the show with, you know, this is going to come back around. We're going to be back. I mean, the economy was humming as, I don't think it's like 2008 where it was based on faulty economics. I think the economy was really humming. And I think that we will recover from this faster. I hope so. I was talking to a buddy of mine who who helps run a, a 120 lawyer law firm today. And he's like, we're going to have two years of the great, it's going to be worse than the Great Depression. I don't think that's accurate, but I think that we just really need to keep our minds straight. So I don't think you should, I don't think you should start becoming a generalist now. I think now is the worst time because it's just going to dilute your message in a time when, when clarity, like I said at the beginning, is necessary. I agree with Jim. I, I I agree with Jim. I I wouldn't surprise me if that 120 lawyer firm does have two years of bad stuff going on because they're a legacy firm that hasn't really adapted to the new economy necessarily. I think now for people like us, and let me let me put this situation by you. Say you know I have a criminal defense firm, and I said you know what I've got a high performing bankruptcy and a high performing divorce law website that we kept up and running and and just parse out the leads to other people. But now I'm going to keep that stuff in-house. I have no passion for that work. And so what will happen is I'll take in those cases. They'll sit there. None of my people will want to do them. We'll wind up on the end of a bar complaint. We won't do quality work. It'll hurt our brand overall. And so I don't think it's necessarily the right time to add more practice areas just to uh, get your cash flow. Uh, I think you could wind up having uh, the cure be worse than the illness in that situation, not to parrot something that somebody else had said, but you know, if, if you take on cases you don't wanna do, you're not gonna, and you don't necessarily know how to do them efficiently, you're not gonna be in the best position and it's gonna hurt you long-term. That's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think that other people in this chat can, can say with a lot more expertise than I can that when you are, when you're niched down, then your messaging makes it seem even more like you're talking to that one person specifically. And so you'll get higher conversion rates on all of those messaging layers than if you try and reach a broad audience. Good stuff. All right. So I, I can't find the question. So I'm going to paraphrase the question. There's a lot of comments in here. So how do you, how's everybody dealing with the, I guess, inconsistent work or um, inconsistent 
new signups when it comes to handling workflows and everything because there's going to be especially I, I know Jay and Seth you both kind of mentioned it you've had a drop in in new signups but I, I think this might go up and down at times it just depends on what governors do what what mayors do what so how's everybody dealing with those how's everyone managing the differences in workflows and um, Jay I guess Jay and Seth you all you all are dealing with this now so why don't you all start it off all right, well, I can go first. Uh, one of the wonderful things I was able to do, uh, something that I wanted to do for years, actually, since since I was part of Lee's Rosen Institute, and I had talked to them about this probably four and a half years ago, was I was finally able to have conversations with my attorneys, and I took them to a uh, you know, sort of a pay-for-what-you-do model rather than a straight salary. So I had that conversation with them about uh, 10 days ago. They all said, hey, we're happy to do that if it means we get to keep our position. So I'm actually in – my business is getting better already because of it. When it comes to cash flow, you know, I have one sales lawyer who's been – who's my partner who's been with me. You know, we're, we're going through our old leads on some of our ancillary products like the pardons and expungement. And she's, you know, getting creative with payment plans and she's generating money. And our where we are today on Wednesday in this week – um, we have uh, enough revenue to double our worst week ever, which was February, uh, a week in February of 2015. That was our worst week. We keep it as our worst week. We know what it was. Uh, we've already doubled that this week. So as I said to Teresa, I said, hey, we're doing okay. That was our worst week. And look at all the great weeks that came behind it. So, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not fun. I'm not saying that this is fun. It's challenging, but we are going to get through this. I'm going to be practicing law in a couple of months, and everything will have changed again. And while we want to keep our core team there, one of the benefits, I would argue, is that, you know, look, if you listen to John Morgan, Jack Welsh, who just passed, uh, you know, any of these guys, we should be calling the bottom 10% of our team. I don't know, Lee, how you do that if you just, uh, you know, exfoliate a lot. But, you know, for, for the rest of us, you know, we we have, you know, we, we end up with staff that in a perfect world we would be upgrading. So, at, you know, I'm trying to make some lemonade out of this. It, you know, a short term, we are sort of tightening things. We are going through and creating cost savings that normally things have been pretty good for a long time. And we canceled every credit card and every single charge has to be reapproved with the new cards when they arrive. ACHs are turned off, turned back on. One by one is every expense. And are I doing it now because I want to make sure that we have gas in the engine? Yes. But should I have been doing this? Yeah, I should be doing this. And, you know, you find, you find all these random subscriptions that you started that you may or may not be using properly or enough. Uh, especially at our scale. And so going back and using this as reflective time to sort of what is the the, the main team that you need going forward. Uh, sadly, in the criminal space, I feel like we probably had to go beyond that and that I can't wait till we can turn that back on. But with everything else, you know, as we mentioned, the trust of the states and immigration is humming. You know, we, we've kept our entire PI team t together, but knowing that every single expense being looked at. And even within PI, I'm looking at this not with a 30, 60 day window, but with a 120 day plus window. Like what, not worst case scenario to act in fear, but being responsible, what if this goes on longer than we're sort of thinking short term? 
And if that's the case, what cases, for example, are two years out, Tyson, in your world? Are there cases you know are two years out? And can you hold back on paying, you know, getting experts, doing depositions on those cases and making sure that the cases that are nearer term that would be closing this year or that you could get to settlement this year or, or you know, you can't get the trial right now, but making sure that you're doing everything possible and bifurcating what needs to happen now versus down the road. But I think that's a really, really good point because, like, especially the, in the PI world, the, the cash flow has been consistent. It hasn't changed at all. Actually, our, our new client signups hasn't really taken a, that much of a dip. But one thing that we're keeping an eye on is our is our outgoing expenses, and we're we're sort of pulling back a little bit just in just in case, just to be careful. Once we get through this, and once we see more light at the end of the tunnel, so we are backing backing off some of our expenses, even though we are going on offense. Like I said, there are some certain things where we can hold off on spending some money here and there, where maybe we don't pay the money for that expert yet. Maybe we pick that expert. Maybe we don't give them that check quite yet because we don't need to yet. So there are some certain things where you can hold off on those on those big expenditures. And I have been amazed at how often by making an ask, we've had no problem getting things done. Just saying, hey, we had this budgeted for for uh, for April. Can we push this till June? Again, being smart about it. I, I've you know, we, we still need to fill the beast with marketing and we want that there. But if you're doing pay per click for DUIs right now. And there are no DUIs, while you may get clicks and you may even get calls, there's nobody getting arrested. So, I don't, you know, you, you want to don't check common sense at the door and make sure that what you're spending money on is monetizable today or is something that, you know, is part of your long term program that you want, you know, when this uh, un, uh, is undone. Well, I just wanted to say one thing. And, and, and I don't know how much Jay and I think Jay and Seth are both you know, living this in terms of, of letting go of people. When we talk about cutting expenses, the reality in a law firm is that that's your expense. You know, that's the bulk of where your money goes is these people. And, and I, I, I want to just say this, having been through this now over the years, you have a choice. You can either let go of people proactively if you see that you don't have the work for them to do, or you can dip into your reserves, dip into your line of credit, uh, and keep paying them. If you keep paying them, and I say this from having been down this path and made this mistake, you cripple yourself in terms of hiring people back and hiring other people in the future. You you make yourself less likely to be an employer down the road. The compassionate thing to do for your people and your community is to take action if you don't have a use for those people right now. And it doesn't feel that way. We're used to letting people go. You know, we have these hushed discussions in the back room trying to decide what to do. This is not a situation where people don't expect it. They don't see it. Everybody's aware of what's going on. There's no surprises here. This is this is all anybody is talking about. So if you if you need to cut expenses and you and you have people that are not able to contribute right now because you just don't have the work, you're not going to be shocking them. And and here's the crazy thing. Um, I've now watched a, a number of people do this, both in the hotel and restaurant type industries and now increasingly in law firms. The people not only are not surprised, they are to some extent relieved to just know where they stand. And and then I'm watching people say things like, hey, Let's share the little bit that's left. Let's keep such and such employed by all reducing our income by 25%. And we'll, we'll keep, you know, this person working and, and they're working together on it. We're all on the same team in this. It's not you against them. It's us all against this bigger problem. 
So I want, you know, I know they, everybody feels bad when they have to do this, but uh, this is different. This is not like it, it is in a normal situation. Thank you for those words, Lee. I was going to talk about, I talked to a vendor today and I told them that I wanted to cut my service and they said they'd give me 90 days free on the software. So that was interesting, but it digresses from what you just said, which I think is a really important point. I think we got to get close to wrapping up here pretty soon. And I just sort of want to go around, I think, one more time, Tyson, and ask everybody sort of what, what's your best piece of advice that we haven't already talked about? What's the, what, what are you thinking about next? What's the next domino that you're looking to fall? I'm going to answer the opposite question since we've talked about some negatives, which is I'm sort of giddy about how we're going to how quickly we can get things back once this is over. That's sort of the if I talked about three things I was focused on. I, I again, what I would I the joy is brought to me is figuring out how quickly I can undo the things that we were talking about here to be back in business at full tilt. Uh, the moment that we feel that, uh, again, this first part of the crisis is over. I have no doubt that Lee is correct and we're going to see a, you know, an issue afterwards. But, you know, mo downturn I can deal with. It's the, at least on the fee-for-service criminal side, when the velocity starts again and just giddy about the idea of getting back in the game. So I'll, I'll jump in. Use this time now to think about the bigger picture. Um, you're learning a lot about your need for real estate, whether you need as much real estate as you've had. Some people are loving the working from home piece of this. The rest of the world has been doing more and more of this. Think about the theory of the firm. If you go look at Wikipedia on theory of the firm, you're going to see why law firms are law firms. It's all about a lack of um, transparency of information, the labor markets, this is creating a lot of transparency. A lot of people are looking at the idea of a firm and seeing that, um, that it, maybe it doesn't make the same level of sense that it used to. We need a shock to our system as lawyers to make change. And this is a shock to the system. And people are, are you know, they say real estate leases are the glue that holds law firms together. Suddenly we need a lot less real estate. And the importance of all those rituals is people are seeing behind the curtain. So start thinking about where this goes long term. I think we really are seeing behind the curtain in a lot of ways. And things may we may see a shift of direction of how the profession works. And we may start looking a lot like other businesses and a lot less like law firms have looked when we come out of this. Joey, I see your I see the gears turning in your in your There's your, a lot of directions I can go in, but this is a pretty high caliber group. Um, and so I'm trying to come up with the best thing that I have to say. I think that I'm realizing that it's never been more important for me to be honoring my word, especially with my team, which means both keeping my promises to the extent that I can, but also letting them know as quickly as I can when I'm not going to be able to. Because I think in the long term, in the long run, if I can't be seen as somebody that my team can trust right now, then I'm not going to be able to get that back. Good. Jay or Seth, you want to go? I could just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, positivity. Really seeing that the culture that we had among the team members in our office really, really sort of helped me recognize how good I had had it and how good I have it and how good I will have it. You know, I'm, I had to, you know, I had to cut uh, a weekend intake person who fully knew it was coming and actually reached out to me and said, I have a feeling you're not going to need me next weekend. Can I confirm that? And I said, well, you know, I think that's going to be the case. 
And he said, great. Can I volunteer next weekend to just work for free? I said, well, no, legally you can't do that. He's like, well, I'll, I'll, I want, I want to come back to this firm when you guys will have me. Everybody wants me back. Everybody does want, you know, these few people back. And so they're willing to figure out a way. It's going so far as to, can I just have an unpaid internship now? I don't do that for a number of legal reasons, but, uh, you know, I have a culture where that my people who are still here are still connected and still talking to the people who are part-timers who don't even sit in the office with them, but they're chatting, just checking in on making sure everybody's okay. So we have a really good cohesive team and sort of as the figurehead, you know, uh, that you have a good team, but you you know, you, you think it, uh, you don't necessarily know it is what I mean. Uh, and now seeing how everyone's rallying around each other and rallying around to keep the firm operational, and, and it's it's a wonderful thing to see. So it's good to have that sort of positivity when you look back on everything that you've built. So I, I understand that some of our presenters may need to go. And Jim, I don't know if you want to answer your own question, but if not, I was going to ask a couple more questions from the, the group if, if I can get a couple of you all to stay on a little bit longer. But Jim, do you want to answer your own question? I'll just do some rapid fire. I'm good. I said enough. Okay. So um, one of the questions was, and I'll, I'll go rapid fire as quickly as possible. One of them was about um, what are some tips on getting people to sign the contract over the phone? Sign the contract over the phone? Correct. So like since we we can't meet with clients right now, what are some tips on getting them to sign while they're, while they're on the phone? It's funny. I mean, we've been, this is not something new to us with a number of different practice areas. Many of them have already experience that the criminal department with the exception of major cases very large percentage already signing over the phone pi very very high i think the interesting dynamic has been trust in estates which i ironically is doing well now but so the people that are the busiest are also the ones having to adapt to a new culture or protocol and seeing people leveraging zoom and and other technologies uh you know i i feel that it is just like Lee was sort of referring to, people are now realizing it isn't that difficult to work remotely. I feel like we're seeing the same thing on signing, which is if that's your only way of doing it, you know, like I said, just do it and it happens. That it's not, it's a mental block generally, I find for older school lawyers more than anything else. That the that if you have something that somebody needs and you're providing it at a price or with a quality that they want, that basically it's no different than in person in that the, you can, you should and will realize, wow, I could have been doing this all along, which would go to Lee's you know, concept of a changing paradigm that when we come out of this, there may be a lot more you know, tele, teleconference and a lot less in-person signings. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm going to go through these as quickly as possible. I just want to add a couple of things. There's plenty of tools out there. It's probably easier now than it has ever been to get people to sign the contract electronically way easier because there's a good reason for it, right? So it's, it's, it's an easy sell. I don't think it's a hard sell right now. We've been doing it for, I've been doing it for almost 10 years. It's, I mean, I, in the last six months, I've probably met with three people in person, get them to sign the contract. Most people don't have a problem with it because of this thing right here. I, I think Michelle uh, Falkenbush has a really, really good question. And I'm, I'm, anybody can answer this, but it's, what are we realistically supposed to do if 50% of our income disappears because people aren't hiring? I've never had business debt other than cutting costs. Should we get lines of credit during times like this? I'll take this one. First of all, do not freak out. We are not yet to reality 
we're in the shock wave of this. It's still very, very early. Things will change. You can't judge this scenario entirely at this moment. It'll look different in two weeks. Think of it as a, uh, you're on a tropical vacation. Make a pina colada. Come back in two weeks and see where you stand because it's going to look different as we enter a, a bit of a new normal. But uh, in terms of lines of credit and borrowing money, I can't say strongly enough, be very careful about borrowing money primarily to give it to other people. That's where that money is going is to your staff. You know, you're either going to feel like an asshole now or you're going to feel like an asshole later. We are headed into a recession. You might as well feel like an asshole now and not have the debt that, because you will then survive to play again in the future. I just don't want you to borrow money. I watched my brother with tears streaming down his face nine months after the dot-com crash when he finally laid his people off. And he owed a million dollars because he had paid those people for months while they couldn't get closed deals. You know, and that what that did was crippled him going forward. So that's the big lesson that I've learned from being through this. Just don't do that to yourself. That's great advice. I'm going to jump into the next question. Um, what are what's everyone's thoughts on giving clients an extra thirty to sixty days to pay if they if they become unemployed? I, I'd have no problem with that if they're. I mean, right as it is right now, I, you know, I, I, if someone were to call me up and say, you know, I'm on a payment plan, I need to add an extra month to it, I'm happy to do that. So I definitely do it under these circumstances. I mean, you want to. I mean, if, if you're in a position where you can do that, and I'd rather have you know two hundred and fifty dollars in three weeks than have no dollars ever more. I mean, that's the way you got to look at it, I think. I'm not saying extend credit of $50,000 to somebody with an indefinite date on it. But, uh, you know, if you can restructure it, if, they, if they've worked with integrity with you before, you know, you should take it on a case-by-case basis. And, and I, I'd be even somewhere, just, of course, you have, you know, you, you can't get blood from a stone. It's spewing, you know, you, you figure out what it takes to maximize that money. Um, it's frustrating because it may get worse before it gets better. But, you know, we're, we're particularly, you know, we, we, you know, they're coming to us for help. We, we don't want to, if they're not working, they signed a payment agreement assuming a job was there. And, and I'll just be the, the, you know, the difficult, unpleasant person because these guys are so nice. I have never extended credit, not since I learned my lesson the hard way. I would not extend credit. They're not going to pay you in 30 days. Don't take action believing that. If there's no money, there's no money. Uh, accept reality and move on to what well, can make you To be you fair, money. spoken as a, as a true family law lawyer. And I, right. I, the, the advice differs <laughs> right. on different areas. And I Absolutely. don't disagree with Lee and family law. You have, because it, in any times, you, you're not getting the money back. So I, we, we are dealing yeah. with different pieces for here. You know, on the criminal side, for example, the courts aren't open. So having a payment plan doesn't really hurt us right now because we're not in court versus, if, you know, in family law, if you're burning hours, you're never going to see the money. And I get that. You know, just so, on that note, uh, just to comment about the courts, I am more optimistic than the courts seem to be about them getting back to work using the technology. I think they're giving us a lot of courts. I'm seeing 90 days. I really do believe that they are going to get it faster than we think, that we will see more things trickling in, not across the board, but I don't believe that they're going to be away from us as long as they think they are. They just haven't accepted what's happening fully. And I'm optimistic that some of them, at least in some jurisdictions, will employ more technology and put a lot of people back to work from home or whatever it is, rather than this blackout that we're getting in a lot of places. I think Lee's right. Um, I think that Seth and I are going to have problems in the criminal context. 
because bringing inmates into a courthouse and then getting them back for their appearances is troubling and they don't want to expose one inmate that can go back and expose a thousand others to another inmate who may have come from a place that has it. That's where we're starting. I'm on a task force here in Connecticut trying to address that issue. And that's where we're really having the problems because the courthouses can connect via video to clients, but the lawyers can't. They're trying to figure out a way to make that happen. But these are all problems that can be solved by technology if people want them to be. And I think now, like you said, Lee, we're at a sea change where people want to get the changes, whereas before they were happy to just let existing practices go on and on. So fingers crossed, we're going to start seeing some changes across the board uh, for and, and all just of to, us. Lee, not to be the naysayer here, but in D.C., they have video conferencing for lawyers to meet, to speak to their clients from jail. Currently, the only way to do that is to go to a facility to watch your client. I mean, that's you, you can't make this stuff up. So I believe that this go around will change all of that, but it, it, they are not ready for prime time now. Right. Can I just say that there are obviously very smart people in this room, and I know that the entire group is filled with smart people. There are no right answers here. And I think that we as lawyers tend to fall into this, you know, what is a way to, to solve this problem. But right now, more than ever, is a time to innovate. And at the end of the day, we're all entrepreneurs and business owners. And this is, in a lot of ways, a way for us to show up in a place of curiosity and innovation and saying, there is no blueprint for this. How can we make a plan and run with it? Agreed. Love that. Love it. All right, I'm going to ask one last question. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to initially answer it and just see what your thoughts are on it. Because the question is about what, what do you do with clients that aren't very technological? And here's my response to that. Don't force it, right? So we had have, we have a client, just because you want to do video doesn't mean you have to do video, right? We had, a, we had a client last year or last week. We wanted to meet with her via video. I sent her all the details. She couldn't figure it out. So we just switched to a phone call. It's not a big deal. Like, just switch to a phone call. Don't force the technology down your client's throats. Use it whenever it's effective. Don't force it. Are there any other thoughts on that? No, you're you're 100 percent right. I never talked to anybody on video in my real life. It's only for, for coronaviruses. You know, it's like I make phone calls and go for walks with my earbuds and talk to people. Yeah, you know, this this is unnecessary. The phone and a laptop and some earbuds and you're good to go with this. Don't get bogged down in it and don't worry about the, they don't need video. They're happy to talk to you on the phone. And I, you know, I don't know, was it Jay, were you working on it or was it Hano was working on something, the one way video back in the day? Um, I, I, I wanted agree that. With both, yeah. I wanted I that. I was trying to find the right We can advertise video conferencing for our clients from today. They want the phone. That said, when you can get it and now you're getting people who are tech savvy who are at home, you're talking trust in estates where they're used to coming to the office. I find that if you can get the video piece, you are so much closer to an in-person meeting that I acknowledge that a phone intake has a lower percentage close rate than somebody in the office. It's a lot easier to make it happen. The transaction costs are less. You, you The velocity, there are a bunch of good things about it. But if we were honest with ourselves, the actual close rate compared to somebody sitting there I would argue that when you can get the video component, you are one step, you're probably that intermediate step between close rate of phone versus in person. Great stuff. All right, let's wrap it up. 
Thanks, Al, for all of you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Lee, you're in Tokyo, or I think that's where you are in Tokyo. You're in Japan. Uh, so thanks so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate everybody being on here. Um, Jay, Seth, Ryan, or Joey, really, really do appreciate it. Jimmy, I don't know where you went. I know you're on your somewhere, but thanks, everybody. Good luck to everybody. We're going to get through this. Absolutely. Thanks, Lee. Good seeing you, Lee. Good to see you, Jay. Good to see you guys. Talk Good to you soon. Good to see you, Joey. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.